Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hey, everybody. Quick note before today's episode. Apparently, while recording this episode, my microphone was not turned on or was not switched on. It was recording from my MacBook speakers. So my voice is not as you normally hear it on this podcast, but it is serviceable. It is listenable. I just want to apologize in advance. And that is why I do not sound as crisp and bold as I normally do. Please enjoy today's episode of Slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, March 20th, 2020. On today's emergency episode of the podcast, we're going to discuss this breaking Star Wars scoop that Rosario Dawson has been cast as Ahsoka Tano in The Mandalorian Season 2. Joining me for, to discuss this is our resident Star Wars expert, Brian Young of the Full of Sith podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on to, to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, this is exciting, right? Like we, We've been dealing with a lot of crap. The world is falling apart. Uh, how are you doing, by the way? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, um, I'm in Salt Lake City. We had a pretty big earthquake uh, day before yesterday, but uh, I prefer to be shaken rather than stirred anyway. So we're good. <laughs> we're good. Even though I don't get a new Bond movie for a forever. Yeah. Well, at least you get some good Star Wars news today. And this is a scoop that I have personally been working on for over a month now. And the, the scoop is, and we broke it on SlashFilm.com, it is trending on Twitter. I think it's like number 11 in the trending on Twitter right now. It's exploding everywhere. Uh, and uh, I, I want to say that I've confirmed this with multiple sources. And on top of that, people from the trades like Boris Kit have also confirmed a uh, triple source, my sources. So it is it is confirmed, quote unquote. Uh, the, the story is that Rosario Dawson has been cast in The Mandalorian Season 2, which is right now in post-production. It's already been filmed. So she's already, I, I assume, filmed her role, unless she's doing it like somehow in post-production. Uh, and she is going to be playing a fan favorite. She's going to be playing Ahsoka Tano. So uh, first of all, what is your reaction to this news, Brian? Um, my first reaction when I, when I read the article um, was that I, I, I had a hard time believing it just because i know dave filoni's so like intent on uh controlling ahsoka's story and how it gets told 
And this has been a fan sort of like casting for so long. And the one thing that Dave Filoni seems to hate doing is anything the fans like want. (laughs) Yeah. What you're mentioning here is in uh, 2017, a fan tweeted at Rosario Dawson asking her to appear in Star Wars movie as Ahsoka. And she retweeted that tweet saying, um, yes, please. And uh, hashtag Ahsoka lives, which was a big thing at that point. Um, And that tweet spurred groups to campaign for her to play the role and uh dawson was even asked about this fan campaign on good morning america which she said it would be amazing um so yeah you're right it, it, usually filoni does not go with what the fans want he gives he goes with the fans need yeah so that was my first reaction and then my second reaction was how could this fit? How could Ahsoka fit into the story in The Mandalorian? And that's got my my head spinning a lot, in a lot of really interesting directions. Yeah. Uh, let me give you my reaction really quick. I, I love Rosario Dawson as an actress, and it seems like she's been kind of like uh, given the shaft in recent years and kind of given the place where she's just like the person who gives the exposition and like helps the hero. Do you know what I mean? Like, like she doesn't. Uh, she hasn't been giving like the the roles that she should be getting. I think, in in my opinion, at least. And um, so I'm glad to see that she's getting a role in the Star Wars, which she loves. She's a fellow geek. I've heard her talk many times. And uh, Ahsoka is a beloved character that was uh, co-created by George Lucas and Dave Filoni. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I wasn't a person who kind of grew up with the the clone wars i kind of got got to know who she was from star wars rebels and uh i i you know i i'd seen the star wars uh the clone wars movie and i had seen a couple episodes of the clone wars before seeing rebels and i was kind of annoyed by her which i think a lot of fans were in the early days of the clone wars uh she didn't get a good response back then right yeah no so so you know, it's funny. I just started a, a chronological rewatch of the Clone Wars again, um, and rewatching the movie and her getting that nickname of Snips. She is a really sort of snippy character, and the fascinating thing about her character is that she grows so wonderfully over time into the person that we we get in Rebels. And I think because fans were around for that journey and saw what that arc was, they really bought into her so that by the time we had episodes in season five where she's accused of crimes she didn't commit and making the choice to leave the Jedi Order, I think even the most hardened skeptics that were skeptical from the beginning, uh, it, it, it really cracked through that facade. Yeah, I think that's the case for sure. Uh, it, I mean, she was created as a foil for Anakin Skywalker, right? Let's talk about who is Ahsoka because a lot of people out there probably – even a lot of Star Wars fans have not watched the animated shows. So, like, can you give me a quick primer on who is Ahsoka Tano? So Ahsoka Tano was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan um, during the Clone Wars. So Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda got together and they thought that maybe Anakin would be able to temper his fear of loss that they saw after the events of Attack of the Clones by assigning him an apprentice. Um And so Ahsoka worked with Anakin for almost the duration of the Clone Wars until she left the Jedi Order. And it's interesting as you watch their relationship grow is that Anakin treated her as a Padawan the way he sort of wishes he had been treated as a Padawan. 
And so there's some really great episodes where she is in way over her head, right? Like uh, one of my favorite arcs in the first season of Clone Wars, R2 has been abducted. He hasn't had his memory wiped and he has vital secrets to the Republic on it. And Anakin leads the mission to go save him, even though he's been told to let R2 go. But because of these secrets, he has to. General Grievous is there. And Anakin just kind of says, hey, Snips, you go deal with that situation. I'm going to get R2 because he has this attachment to R2. And early on, you know, you've got Ahsoka facing off against General Grievous and surviving in a way that most other uh, Jedi hadn't at that point, uh, you know, just kind of thrown in over her head. And she she grew from there as well and, and came into her own and has a long history of dealings with mandalorians some of which we're going to see in a lot more detail as we head into season seven yeah uh the yeah so season seven is going on now which takes place before star wars rebels and it's gonna have to do with what the fall of mandalore so um yes uh (laughs) the last four episodes of this of this season are what they're calling the siege of mandalore which I think is distinctly different than the siege uh, that Giancarlo Esposito's character Moff Gideon talks about on The Mandalorian. I think he's talking more about the purge that happens later after the events of A New Hope. But this is when Maul is in control of Mandalore still, is in control of Mandalore, uh, and Death Watch, which was the uh, organization that was created by Jon Favreau's character Pre Vizsla, that took over governance of Mandalore from the pacifist government that was tied to the Jedi. And while Ahsoka uh, is in her exile from the Jedi Order, I just got the um, episode description, and it says that Anakin and Obi-Wan have to make a choice between uh, following following the news that the chancellor has been kidnapped on Coruscant and dealing with that situation or dealing with Mandalore. And then they make the decision to bring Ahsoka in to deal with Mandalore. So she's going to be a big part of that. We don't know exactly what happens there, but we do know that, uh, you know, this character was launched with star Wars, the Clone Wars, and then she had her own, uh, she has her own novel. She appears in the comics. She appears in the video games. Uh, she, is one of the voices that Ray hears at the end of Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, and she was in Star Wars Rebels, the next series that came from Dave Filoni. And this was, uh, it was kind of revealed that uh, spoilers for Star Wars Rebels coming up, but it was revealed that she was an uh, integral part of the birth of the rebellion. She kind of uh, helped put it together. Yeah, so in that novel of hers, she meet, she syncs up with Bail Organa, and we see the fruits of that uh, in Rebels uh, to see how she helps him form that nascent rebellion and bolster it until she's uh, finally forced to confront her former master, which I will say, for my money, the confrontation between Ahsoka and Vader in the two-episode uh, season two finale of Star Wars Rebels: Twilight of the Apprentice is one of the finest hours of, or yeah, finest hours of Star Wars programming ever, and I would stack that that alongside any of the movies. I, I would agree with you there, and uh, you know that confrontation ended up uh, where she was left for dead. But and I'll save our the, everybody listening the whole story. But basically, Ezra Bridger uh, saved her inside a realm between worlds and time. 
you don't need to know. Basically, she survived that big cliffhanger in the end. And uh, basically, we we don't. I, I guess she. We don't see her again, right? She she had left the Jedi Order, so she's not a Jedi. She's not one of those people that. Uh, it, so it doesn't mess with the timeline of like there being no other Jedi's in the universe during that time. Um, and she, we we see her appearance in the epilogue of the Star Wars Rebels finale. Uh, the, the episode was called Family Reunion Family Reunion and Far- Farewell. And I have that uh, a link to that in the show notes if you want to go watch that if you haven't seen it. And it's, it's a very emotional ending. Yeah, no, it's it's really great. And that was um, that was after she got sort of placed out of the timeline. I don't want to say that it had time travel, <laughs> but there was some time travel element in the episodes uh, World Between Worlds and uh, Wolves in a Door, that that arc of the series, really the last half of the fourth season of Rebels, really gets into that. And yeah, so we see her finally at the end. Uh, and, and, sometime... and I would say I would say it's a little convoluted. I, I will admit it really feels like Dave Filoni wanted to save her, and the the story would be better if she wasn't saved. If she didn't live, I don't know, but I'm glad that she's alive. I am. I'm very glad that she's alive. And and we see her sometime after the fall of the empire. We don't know if that's shortly after the battle of the second death star. We don't know if that's after the battle of Jakku. Um, Mandalorian happens just a, a couple of years after that battle of Jakku. Um, and we see her dressed as sort of Gandalf the white uh, taking off with Sabine Wren, another Mandalorian, off to search the Unknown Reaches for uh, any sign of Ezra Bridger, who was one of the main characters in Rebels, and possibly Grand Admiral Thrawn, who left into that forced exile with him. Yeah, uh, and I, I think we all assumed that this was a setup for a sequel series or spinoff series uh, an animated series that would be getting on like Disney plus or something. But I want to pitch to you, Brian, maybe this is how she fits into the Mandalorian. Okay. Because first of all, if, if this takes place at the same time period, which it could, right? So it could, it could start in that same time period. I mean, we don't know for sure. We don't have a definite date on either of these, but there's nothing Um, suggesting it, it can't. So exactly, exactly. I would say this, don't hang your hopes up on when this is going to be set, whether that's the seven years after A New Hope that Favreau said initially for Mandalorian. Uh, don't set your, your sights on five years after the Battle of Endor, which is something that got reported later. Because the show has not actually set a date, they will move that fluidly to wherever they need to to make it work with anything else that happens with it. Yeah. So if they need to move the events of The Mandalorian to a year after the Battle of Jakku in order to fit with Rebels uh, because they've introduced Ahsoka, they will do that. So don't 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 get hung <laughs> up on where the timeline is because they haven't given any definite clues in The Mandalorian. It could be anywhere in that era. Okay, so for my harebrained conspiracy theory or my, my speculation here, uh, it requires that we talk about in the Walt Disney Company's financial first quarter 2020 results conference call, 
Uh, then CEO Bob Iger mentioned, quote, The Mandalorian Season 2 coming in October, and then more coming from The Mandalorian thereafter, including the possibility of infusing it with more characters and the possibility of taking those characters in their own direction in terms of series. Unquote. So my, my, my theory here is, and tell me if, if this is wrong, maybe they're inserting a live-action Ahsoka in here uh, because she would be with Sabine Wren. It would make sense. She is a character that at one point had the Darksaber, right? And maybe she is at the beginning of going on this journey to find Ezra, like the, the journey that's teased at the end of Star Wars Rebels, and that this show will spark that spinoff series that will be a live action star wars movie or tv show for disney plus what do you think of that theory brian so you think this could be i mean i i do think that this could very every this could definitely be one of the spinoffs they were talking about and as, as soon as you mentioned that yeah i remember uh writing in some of the coverage that i wrote um, about that press call that we had no idea what characters were getting introduced in Mandalorian that could be on the table for that. And Ahsoka is A, a fan favorite character. B, they've been training D Dave Filoni for all of this on the Mandalorian. And C, I don't think there's a soul that thinks that uh, we don't want an Ahsoka <laughs> show. So like... Oh, uh, there there are. I'll tell you about them. Actually, no, let's, no. Skip, let's skip to that right now because no, they don't have souls though. Like, I was saying, like souls. Like, <laughs> well, no, I, actually, you might. I don't know. This might surprise you because I've gotten a lot of response to the story. The scoop has over ten thousand retweets at this moment. It's 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 going around the world, uh, and a lot of people are responding. A lot of people that are upset that the person playing Ahsoka is not Ashley Eckstein, which is is understandable and i've seen some other reporting too um where uh some other people are saying that that uh maybe yeah i don't know that's maybe that's she could be weird. the voice like uh they did with um darth maul and solo like they did um yeah but at that point why would you why i mean like what can rosario dawson do as a body that ashley Eckstein can't i mean yeah She's probably taller. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And, and probably looks older, plays older. Because I, I know Ashley probably is about my age. So that probably makes her getting close to 40, which is probably what Ahsoka would be uh, around this time. But, uh, you know, Rosario does look uh, older and probably could play that more senior role better. I mean, it's going to be under so much makeup, though, and... Um, I mean, at that point, you could have just CG Ahsoka and then had Ashley play her with performing capture and voice, right? Yeah. I mean, Rosario is only two years older than Ashley. Yeah. But I'm just saying she looks. It's not. Um, yeah. And, and, and I know that could come off as insulting to say a woman looks older. But I, I do think that Rosario ends up playing older roles and Ashley ends up playing younger. Yeah, no, that's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. Um I you know, I think that there's a lot of ways they could do it and and um but I do think that that a combination of makeup and CG are going to be used for the character anyway. Yeah. How 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 do you think she could fit into the Mandalorian? 
I think that there's there's two things. Um, there's two ways specifically. One is that maybe this happens before the epilogue of Rebels, right? And that maybe this can lead to that moment where she adopts the white robe. Or um, this could... So that could place Ahsoka still in her exile from where she got put in World Between Worlds because they were on the Sith world of Malachor. Yeah. And... Ezra plucked her from her fight with Vader and dropped her back in that position, but it was years later and they had to find Ahsoka. Ahsoka had to come from there, but she was trapped there with no ship or no way out. And in a different time after the war that maybe the the Mandalorian in his search for Jedi or force users or whoever, or, or, you know, others of, of the Yoda species, finds himself on Malachor and he brings her off so that she's able to have that journey. And and you do mention that she is a force user. She's probably the only other force user that they've encountered, right? He, yeah, he, it very well could be. I mean, Luke Skywalker is out there, but I don't see them going to Luke Skywalker for this, especially when you take into account sort of what area of the galaxy it's in. Um, And that's about it. Right. So so she could be integral to that part of the journey and she could be integral to the the assets journey. Um, So that's one way I think it could happen. The other way I think it could happen is that the Mandalorian skews later and it's after her journey and they've already brought Ezra back and that maybe there's the threat of Thrawn, perhaps. And this is her sort of finding her new way. And again, they encounter her because I think it's integral to them finding Yoda's species. Oh, see, this is good because I feel like Dave Filoni is the type of person, as unpredictable as he is, the one thing that you can predict about him is he loves his characters. And he loves bringing them back in different mediums and forms. And, you know, Ezra disappeared in his fight with Ron. So if Ezra survived that, then maybe Thrawn also survived that. And maybe he could be a bad guy, but we, they've already set, set up set up uh, Moff Gideon, so I feel like that's more spin of, off, spin off, spin off. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we should probably mention is that Ahsoka uh, worked alongside a new Yoda, which is one of the few other of the species that the child is is born of. So maybe she's there to answer some questions. I don't know. Maybe she's. I don't know. I, I don't want to think that Ahsoka's only part of this is like some kind of exposition. <laughs> I, I, no, I think that if Filoni is going to, I mean, Filoni in, in conversations I had in my interview with Filoni and Favreau, um, which you can read about in the last issue of Star Wars Insider, um, they seemed to be very um, collaborative and even though they've said, you know, Favreau's the showrunner and he's the writer, the two of them were sort of treating each other as checks and balances where they sort of had veto power over the other. And I really don't think that Favreau would have been able to convince Filoni to bring Ahsoka onto the show <laughs> for nothing but exposition without being an integral part of her journey and the story of her character that he wants to tell. I, I love that you live in a reality where you think 
it was Favreau's idea to bring Ahsoka into the show. No, I know, but I'm saying, but I'm saying <laughs> because that's it was definitely Dave's. It was definitely no. Dave's. I, I I agree, it's definitely Dave's. But I'm saying in that worst case scenario where she's nothing there for expo- but exposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I don't see Filoni saying, "Okay, we can do this," um, just for exposition. I think that however it got introduced, the two of them have that that creative veto power that. If that was all she was going to be used for, A, it would have been Favreau's idea, and B, Filoni would have vetoed it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so we're getting Ahsoka. Uh, I should mention that when I was trying to confirm the scoop, I did contact Rosario Dawson's. uh, we, We contacted her people. They did not respond. We contacted Lucasfilm, our reps at Lucasfilm, and gave them a few days to respond. They didn't respond. My my main concern was I didn't want to spoil any kind of big reveal or twist or something like that and i kind of put that out there and uh, never heard back from them uh, traditionally lucasfilm does not comment on any quote-unquote rumors um but they usually get back to me to tell me that they did not even get back to me at all so uh that's odd but um I- i'm just saying that because i i apologize if i am spoiling anything because i, I was that was a main concern of mine working this for the last, you know, 30 days was, uh, you know, I'm not going to report this unless I know that it's it's not spoiling anything. But, uh, uh, you know, Disney was unwilling to clarify any of those things. And th- this production has been super secretive. Like they were able to keep Baby Yoda under wraps for so long. They we still don't know who directed all the episodes of of season two. We know that Dave Filoni is back and he directed maybe the final episode we don't even know that we know that he was the last person to direct scenes when they wrapped um and you know i'm sure there's a lot more cast that have are part of this that we don't even know so th- there's a lot of unknown factors here but uh are you excited this is does this make you even more excited for mandalorian so with the way things were left before i was I mean, like, I'm just naturally primed to be excited for Star Wars. That's just sort of my base setting. <laughs> um, and I think you, you, I think you, you've known that. You've experienced that firsthand repeatedly. Yes. Um, but uh, if if this turns out to be the case, not to say that I want to doubt your reporting, but I'm just used to that that whole like, well, I haven't heard anything personally except for through, yeah, you know, secondhand sources. Um, you want to hear it re- reported by StarWars.com is what you're waiting for. If it's all above board and this is what's going on, I'm I'm all I'm all excited. I always want more Ahsoka. Ahsoka has really worked her way into being one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars saga, which is why those episodes Twilight of the Apprentice hit so well for me. Um, Vader, Anakin, the two of them together, however you want to look at them as one person or split personalities between two people or whatever that they are my favorite character and anything that added really interesting nuance to him is something I really loved. And so that's why I globbed onto Ahsoka really easy, uh, quickly and seeing how her story has affected the, the opposite of his life has been so rewarding for me. I can't wait to see where that character goes next and whether that's on, the second season of Mandalorian or a spinoff or anything else I'm all for I'm, I'm on board for. Yeah. I'm super excited. And I'm sure many people listening out there have Disney plus now's probably the time 
if you want to, you know, start watching Clone Wars, it's all there. It's not in the order that it should be in, right? But it's it's there. You can find episode lists. You can find episode lists that will skip over our, like some of the filler episodes because I know some of the first season was a little rough. But uh, I don't know. It, it's there, and you're gonna have some time because we're all gonna be stuck. We're all gonna be self isolating. And we're going to be in our homes looking for things to watch. And Mandalorian, as far as we know, is coming out uh, in October, I think. That That is what Bob Iger has said, is that we're getting new episodes in October. Yeah. And uh, we don't know if this virus is going to affect anything. And we know that it's filmed. And most of the, a lot of the CG is done in pre-production because it's done with that stagecraft technology. So it's filmed in camera. Uh, but you know, there are still VFX people that do stuff in post-production. There's a lot of post stuff done on this and you know, those people are affected by this virus. So that could be delayed. Who knows? We don't know. Uh, but, uh, I am super looking forward to this when it comes out, uh, later this year, hopefully fingers crossed. And uh, I'm excited that Rosario Dawson is Ahsoka. So anyways, that brings us to the end of today's Slash on Daily. Where can we find more of your work online, Brian? Well, um, I'm covering, I'm doing deep dives of every episode of Clone Wars as they come out in season seven for, for Slash Film. And so my latest came out today, breaking down, uh, not coincidentally, I don't think, uh, the first new episode that features Ahsoka in this season. Uh, so you can find that at Slash Film. I also cover Star Wars for Sci-Fi and, like I said, Star Wars Insider. And you can listen to me talk about Star Wars uh, more consistently at my own Star Wars podcast, Full of Sith, and you can find that at fullofsith.com. You can find me on Twitter also at swankmotron. You can find me on Twitter at Peter Serretta. You can find my YouTube channel that I do alongside my girlfriend, Kitra, Ordinary Adventures. That's on YouTube. Uh, you can find more of all my work at SlashFilm.com. This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your, your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. And please, if you have a second, head on over to iTunes, write us a glowing review, tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you on Monday.